Psalms 46. I want to read just verse number one. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible. Some of you have different versions. We're going to deal with the basically in general the whole context but I just want to drop a few nuggets about the father factor God's father father factor the Bible says God is our refuge and strength a very present somebody say present he's a very present help in times of trouble you may be seated. I can spend this morning the, the introductory the introduction to this lesson talking about startling st- statistics about fathers. <clears throat> I can talk about the percentages of men uh, and households where the father isn't present. I can give you a rundown, and I've done research and decided that I'm going to forego bringing all of these statistics that really are an embarrassment to men. Statistics that talk about how uh, children turn out when there is the presence of a father versus how children turn out when their father's not present. But I decided to forego that and to forfeit talking about that because on Mother's Day, Uh, The balance is we encourage mothers and we celebrate mothers who are doing what they're supposed to do. We don't spend a lot of time talking about mothers who forsake their motherhood. But yet historically in the church, when it comes to Father's Day, we highlight the insufficiencies and we highlight the frailties and we highlight the faults and failures of fathers and then wonder why on Father's Day, the audience looks like this. The reality is, while I can talk about all of the statistics about fathers who aren't present and the effect that has on the life of a child, I'd rather this morning talk about the father factor based on God's word and celebrate the fathers that are present. Society has a tendency to be harder on men, and I understand that because men are supposed to be leaders, and we are supposed to be leaders. But the reality is you cannot demonize a gender so long or a group so long before that gender or that group begins to buy into the demonization. And so if, that, if we harp on fathers and the frailties and the failures and the faults of fathers long enough, eventually we dissipate the incentive to be better than what we are. Because the only thing you hear about is the worst case scenarios. But I'm here to tell you and to declare to every woman in this place, to every child in this place, there are men who in their own, watch this, in their own faults and with their own hangups, decide in spite of what hinders them and what they can use as an excuse to stand up, to be counted, to lift their head up, to straighten their back up, and to be present for the ones that they call their children. And today, we should celebrate fathers who are of likeness. That was a weak applause. I said, today, that was very weak. Mother's Day, the, we had to do repair work on the roof. Father's Day, it sounded like a fading, amen, amen. And so right now, I want all fathers to stand up. Fathers, all fathers to stand up. I didn't, fathers, men who are fathers, who are present and fathers. Society is not going to the dogs. Society is not going to, I don't care what statistics say. As long as there are men that will stand up and be counted, men that will provide, men that will give guidance, men that will not leave their children aside, the society we live in is not going to the dogs. It was never a part of God's plan, neither a part of the way God works 
to use the masses to do something great. When Jesus decided to turn the world upside down and introduce his, uh, watch this, his do father's doctrine that we would call Christianity, he did not choose 200 men. He chose 12 men. And look around you. This is the work of 12 men. Everybody who calls yourself a child of God. So fine, it may not look like the mothers in here, but God doesn't need to use a lot of quantity when he places quality in these men. So we thank you today, and we celebrate fathers. In Scripture, however, <clears throat> and not however, but in addition, in Scripture, I want you to notice that when it comes to God, uh, there's, there's a thing called the definite article, and I want to be as simple as I can and yet educate along the way. The definite article before a word, and there's the indefinite article before a word. And the definite article before the word, uh, word is the word the. An indefinite article is like a word a. There's a difference between saying a book and saying the book. The word the defines the article. It makes it specific. It makes it stands out. It makes it sanctified. It makes it ultimate. It makes it supreme. And in the scriptures a lot, you see God referred to not as a father, even though that's what he is. He's referred to as the father. In John chapter 4, verse number 23, the Bible says that Jesus says the time is coming and now is when the father will seek, where those that will worship the father will worship him for the father seeketh such to worship him. The father, the father. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, and verse number 11, to the glory of the Father. You keep seeing this term, the Father. God has given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father. And you see this definite article. And I'm wondering, have you ever wondered why in Scripture there's the definite article before Father when it comes to talking about God? He's not just a father, he is the father. And what this suggests is that God's fatherhood is not just an existing fatherhood, but it is an ultimate and a supreme fatherhood. In, in, in Matthew 6, 19 through 13, Jesus talks about praying to the father. But it basically says that he is the model of everybody who would ever be a father. He is not just a father, he is the standard of fatherhood. He is the ultimate father. He is the supreme father. And guess what? We don't even learn that relationship with him until the New Testament. In the Old Testament, he's Jehovah Jireh. In the Old Testament, he's Jehovah Nisi, he's Jehovah Rapha, he's El Shaddai, he's El Elyon, he's uh, Jehovah Roy, he's Jehovah Sitkanu, and you have all of these terms for God. He's, the, he's all of these things, but we get to the New Testament, and Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 says, when you pray, say, our Father. When you pray to the Father, you say, our Father. Now, what? What, it, what is that about? I'm going to tell you what it's about. The quality of person will determine the quality of relationship. I'm going to get practical right off and through here. The quality of the character of the person will always dictate the quality of the character of the relationship, which means that God was everything he was before he's introduced to us as the Father. Are you understanding this? There has to be quality there before relationship. Here's a relationship principle because we're still talking about relationships. You don't get to be a good, watch this, wife 
if you're not a good person before you get married. Okay, you understanding this? You don't get to be a good father if you're not a good person. The quality of character has to exist in order to watch this, regulate and commence with the quality of the relationship. So where do we learn about the quality of God's character? In the Old Testament, we learn about how God is, watch this, not as father, but as God. Are you understanding this? We learn how he is as God. As a matter of fact, we say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we run to the beginning, but that's not how it was. There was no Father. It wasn't Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the beginning. It was Jehovah, it was the Word, and it was Holy Spirit. In the beginning was the Word, John 1 and 1. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So it wasn't Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the beginning, because guess what? The Word had not been born. So what you have now, ooh, watch this, and, and we're going to get to this. What you have now is a God in the Old Testament, and I say this lightly, who does not have a father. I want you to think about that. It almost sounds like heresy. But God does not have a father. Because the word father suggests to come out of. God is self-existent. Who gives birth to Jehovah? Whose womb can handle? God as he is. To give birth to the power of Jehovah God. So what God does, <laughs> God says, so that I can, watch this, I can be the model of everything, God decides to subject himself to having a father by the word being born. Now Jesus, the word, which is God, knows how to have a father. I think I'm doing this with some of you. In other words, Jehovah didn't come from a father. So the word was made flesh and born. And he wasn't born through Joseph. So God the son or God the word was born. When God the word was born, he became God the son. And now God has a father. Say amen if you understand it even a little bit. So we understand the quality of character of God in the Old Testament. That's why those of us who believe that we're New Testament Christians and run away from the Old Testament, you're doing yourself a great injustice. So if you really want to know the kind of father that we should be, right? We look at the kind of God that he is because in his godness his quality of character is seen and he brings the quality of his character into a relationship no I said it like this when we started on this relationship thing you will bring every part of who and how you are to every relationship Character exists before relationship. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I need to pause here. I didn't think I would need to pause here. You can't fix a relationship unless you fix the quality of your character. That's why it's wild for people who have a relationship that's strained to be, to be baffled. I'm just trying to fix my relationship. No, you don't start fixing the relationship by going to couples counseling. Hello? 
It starts with the quality of your character. Even the relationship of God to us as father and children began with the quality of God and whatever God is, he brought to the relationship. What are you bringing to your relationship? So the father factor, the qualities of fatherhood exist. Oh, this is good. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The quality of fatherhood exists before fatherhood itself. Are y'all understanding? Y'all looking at me mighty strange. And if you ever want to see God's character quality, look in the Old Testament. And the first thing in this text, here are the three points for you to write down, that the psalmist says, and this was a song, actually. If you look in Psalms 46, it says for the choir director, a psalm of the sons of Korah set to Almoth a song. What does that mean? Korah was one of the worship leaders in the Old Testament. So this is what they sang, and they sang based upon their observation of God. The first point we learn about the quality of God, which is the quality of fatherhood existing before anything he begot, is that God has sacrificial, is a God of sacrificial protection. Everybody say sacrificial protection. If you write notes, take that down. Sacrificial protection, okay? What does that mean? Look at the text. He says the Lord is, or God is, our refuge. Everybody say refuge. The idea of refuge comes from the word for shelter. A refuge is a shelter. A, a shelter is a place to go to in, watch this, the event of some kind of danger, which means it is a place that you don't necessarily need all the time unless the danger is ever-present. Okay, you, you, don't, you don't get that? The psalmist is going to talk about the conditions of why a shelter is needed. That, we're going to see that. But we need to understand that a shelter is one of those things needed based upon the crisis. Why is that important? Because we, there are certain qualities that God has that crisis will highlight. Let that sit. There are certain qualities that God has that only crisis will highlight. You get a person that's never been through anything, then God is my refuge and my shelter means nothing. And in fatherhood, there are certain situations that only running out of money will highlight. There are certain qualities of my fatherhood that only my kids being in trouble will highlight. And shelter goes with protection and it goes with safety. But, but, but if you're already always in safety, you don't need shelter. And if you don't need shelter, you'll never see that God is a shelter and you'll never appreciate that attribute of God. I feel like I'm talking over some of your heads. I'm trying to be as simple as I can. Say amen if you understand any part of what I'm saying. Shelter implies protection. It's often a form of protection that, number one, it incurs the damage meant for the beneficiary. You do know that. When I say incurs, I simply mean what a shelter does is it takes the damage 
that you would have taken if you had not been under the shelter. That's why you can stay dry in the rain because an umbrella is a shelter. But something has to get wet. An umbrella avoids you to be in the rain without being wet because it takes the water. <laughs> oh, I wish I had a church in here. I wish I had. I got to find a church to preach to. It incurs the damage that you would take. Fatherhood, the father factor of God is that he's a shelter. He's the kind of God that will step in and before you get damaged, he would take whatever comes because he can handle what's coming at you and he loves you enough to protect you from it so you can hide behind God. He can be your hiding place. And it's funny, when you are in a car stuck in a hailstorm, you almost don't appreciate it till you get out the car and you look on the hood and say, those dents would have been in me had it not been for this shelter. When the Bible says God is our refuge or our shelter and our strength, it means that God, that quality of God that says before it gets to you, it gets to me first. And that's fatherhood. That's God before having his begotten son. It's a quality of fatherhood to be protection and it's sacrificial protectiveness. What makes it sacrificial? Because a refuge is not for a situation that can be prayed away. You don't need a shelter if you can always pray away the rain. Who needs a shelter if every time you pray that it don't rain in your life, it just goes away? The idea is that you can be in it and safe from it at the same time. The idea of shelter involves itself in the trouble and it sides with the beneficiary of this shelter. In Joshua 21 through eight, there were six cities and they were called the cities of refuge. Joshua 20, 1 through 8, when you get a chance. And if you killed somebody involuntarily and they had a cousin or a brother or a relative, that relative had the right to chase you down and kill you with no repercussions. If you accidentally ran over one of my kids in the parking lot because you were in a rush to get the furs for Father's Day when you took mom to Red Lobster and Papa Do's. If you are here, you are not a Christian. <laughs> the idea was that you can run to one of these cities and not only be sheltered as in something over you, but sheltered as in advocacy. It means you'd go to a city that affords you an opportunity to have an advocate so that that advocate, the city itself, becomes the reason why you are safe. And the father factor is not just about being protected and incurring this uh, damage and having sacrificial protection in that way, but also advocacy. Protectiveness of a father that says, look, you were wrong, son, but I ain't going to let them get you. I know that sounds crazy. No, that sounds, that's the, that's the problem today. God, you know what? If God, you know how many times we're wrong? You know how many times you're wrong? Can you imagine if God let every hound in hell have access to us every time we did something that was contrary to his will? Some of us wouldn't even be here. Most of us, none of us would be here. But even in our wrong, we find shelter in God. Guess what? And even though we committed the thing, God says, I'll be your shelter. And I'm your strength. 
which means you don't have to depend on your own because your own is not enough. This is the Father. This is what God brings into the relationship of Father. This is his character. Not only that, let me hurry. It also implies safety, but not at your own expense. Um, Texas is a state where you can carry your pistol. And uh, some of you sitting in there so poised, cool, calm, and collective are packing. I'm talking about senior citizens. I'm talking about, yeah, yeah, you're packing. I get it. But if you think for one moment that what society calls protection is sufficient, you are sadly mistaken. The pistol might scare off a criminal while he's coming after you in the middle of the street. And you pull it out. You know, that's how they used to pull it out. Those old movies, you know, those old westerns. What? But the bus that's coming from your left side while you standing in the middle of the street puffed up? Do you get it? The idea is, and I'm not demonizing Karen. I'm, I, I'm on a life, I have a CHL, right? I'm not demonizing it. I, I wouldn't demonize it. I protect my household. But at the end of the day, ultimately, I'm not trusting Vivant. I'm not trusting uh, Taurus, Sig, or Smith and Wesson. I trust God. And somebody said, well, if you trust God, I like the pious voices. If you trust God, why do you have it? I don't have it now. And I got enemies sitting in this audience watching me like a hawk. But I trust God. And when you know he's your protection, you can peep from behind God and look at what the enemy is doing and find confidence in knowing that you can't cross this line because I'm under protective custom. That's what God brings into fatherhood. What daughter wouldn't want a daddy who when the noise starts rattling downstairs or in the front room or at the door at four in the morning. What daughter wouldn't want a daddy that would say, stay asleep? I got this. What son wouldn't want a papa that would say, that's all right, stay right here? This is what God had before we became his children. So if he had it before we became his children, he has it for us when we become his. All right, let's move on. Say amen if you understand. Mm -hmm. Oh, bless God. The idea of this protective or sacrificial protection is covering, shelter, refuge, covering. It means you are not in danger, in danger. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. It means you are not in danger, in danger. No? 
you were in the club those years ago and the knives came out and the bullets started flying even though you were not what you were supposed to be you were in danger but no danger came to you that's what God brings into fatherhood and this is what he models for fathers today to have sacrificial protectiveness. I remember, if I can be transparent, and I'm almost done, uh, we went to Fair Park. Carol and the girls and I, we went to Fair Park doing the fair. And uh, I don't know if I should tell this one. Some of y'all looking ready. <laughs> I saw some pads come out. You know, don't take notes on this. This is my testimony. Take notes on scripture. I don't know. You know what? Okay, we, I'll, I'll be transparent. So, so uh, we, we all parked at a remote parking area because you know doing the fair, it's pretty packed out, right? We parked there and uh, we got out and it was nighttime and you know uh, that the lights usually are only at Fair Park. So in some of those communities around Fair Park, which is dark, So you, get, you park remotely, you walking in darkness into the light, right? <laughs> so, you know, here we were, and uh, yeah, y'all know where I'm from, you know. And uh, we're walking, and all of a sudden, we see these, these guys. We see the shadows first, then all these guys converge. Instinctively, I pushed Carol aside, pushed the girls aside, and I said, I took a position. <laughs> Whew! Y'all don't mess with me. Don't get it twisted. I wasn't always preaching. Wasn't always. What? What? Woo! Sorry, sorry about that. I took a position. They had to say, wait, 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 wait. Now, you say, well, what's the big deal with that? Refuges don't hide behind the ones that need them. The idea of fatherhood is that you don't hide behind your family. You let your family hide behind you. And this is what God brings into fatherhood. Not only that, so everybody says that's sacrificial protection. Secondly, I want to talk about active presence. Somebody say active presence. Write this down, active presence. The text says in Psalms 46, God is our refuge and our strength. Now watch this. A very present help in time of trouble. So God now here in his father factor, which, which are his qualities before he had begotten a son. All of God's qualities are eternal. So before man was even created, he had the qualities of fatherhood. And, and I guess what I'm saying to us today in our relationships, you learn the, how to be a father in the relationship, but quality is developed. It's developed prior to fatherhood. Are you understanding this? So when, watch this, when your quality is tainted before fatherhood and you've got some qualities about you that are not conducive to entering this relationship of fatherhood, now you have to adjust the qualities you had prior to the relationship. And that's just not with fatherhood, that's in marriage. You can have qualities in your single life that won't fit into this relationship, so you have to adjust the quality so that the relationship will work. 
and people who protest adjusting the quality don't care much about the survival of the relationship. You find me somebody that won't change and says, I ain't changed, this is how I am, accept me or not, then you don't care about the survival of the relationship because the quality of character has to be there prior to, and if it's not there, in order for the relationship that depends on the quality of character, when you bring it and it's not there, you have to adjust the character to sustain the relationship. Does that make sense with anybody? Anybody that's about to get married, let me tell you, and this is not just with fatherhood. Let me tell you something. You have to spend a lot of time adjusting yourself. We get in relationships and try to adjust other people. I know we're drifting into marriage, but it's any relationship. We get in there and we try to change people. You are not responsible for changing anybody but you. Because whatever your quality of character is, you bring into whatever relationship. So God says, it is said of God before being the, the one who is the father of the begotten, Jesus and us, it is said of God that he's present. Presence. This phrase, very present, helps speech to God's readiness and his accountability and his accessibility. His readiness, his accountability, and his accessibility. Presence means that he's very present means that he's not only there, but he's ready. Okay? Now, this is beautiful that we understand this, right? There are some people who can be present in the conversation, but they're not very present. No? Have you ever talked to somebody? They were present, but they weren't very present? No? Not this side. Middle part, you ever talked to somebody in a conversation? They were present, but they were not ready. So you ask them a question. And 30 seconds went by, 45 seconds went by, and then you said, what you think? And the question was something like, you know, do you think I can do it? And they say, and you say, what you think? And after 45 seconds, and they say, I think red looks good on you. <laughs> Present, but not ready. No? It's like a police officer being present in a rough situation, but his pistol is in the car. His badge is in the car. Present, but not ready. Your presence does not count if you're not ready. Oh, y'all not, not ready. <laughs> Your presence means nothing if it isn't paired with the very, if it isn't very present, meaning present and ready. It means present and prepared. It means present and accessible. Our president is present in the United States. And that's all I'm gonna say. Ooh-wee. This is on video, this is on video. It means that his presence is strengthened in the economy of trouble. Presence, his readiness, his very presence is strengthened in the economy of trouble. Why don't you say that? His presence is strengthened in the economy of trouble. Cowards' presence is devalued in the economy of trouble. Do you know why? Because cowards remain present until trouble. When the trouble comes, cowards run, and you no longer have their what? God says, 
And what he brings into fatherhood is he's a very present. Meaning he's not just there. He's ready. So guess what? He's already prepared for the trouble that hadn't even come yet. So by the time the trouble gets to you, God says, I'm here, I'm present, I'm ready to deal with it. Then he brings this quality into fatherhood. You do not and cannot appreciate the presence of God unless you've ever been in the presence of trouble. Is there anybody that's been in trouble? I mean, the kind of trouble that leaves you helpless. I'm not talking about trouble like, in, oh no, I overcooked my beans. That's not trouble. I'm talking about powerless, trouble that you're powerless to. A situation that you can't do anything about. And praying still doesn't take away the feeling of helplessness and the feeling of discomfort and not being able to do anything about. And all you can do is squirm. Pain is like that. The other night, I take a water pill, and the other night I took my fluid pill. And, uh, of course, it makes you get rid of fluid. Well, if you haven't taken in enough fluid during the day, then it triggers off not just cramps, but something called Charlie horses. Okay, so let me help you. Let let me let me help you. Uh, so a cramp will make you holler. Charlie horse may, if you are not full with the Spirit of God, may make you curse. <laughs> now, some of y'all judging me. Oh, look at that. I'm leaving this church. They cuss. You cussing on your way out. I called Carol and I said, Carol, Carol, hey, wake up! You get that kind of crazy when you're in pain. Hey! I fell to the floor. This was just the other night. I fell to the floor. Ah! Carol woke up. What? What? I need water. She came, tried to massage it. And you know those things. Have you ever had one? Massaging it, you, 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 the, whoever's doing it has to stay on it. Because as soon as they stop, it comes back for revenge. Hey! God said, I don't know. I, don't know. I said, I need water. I don't have any water. At that point, Carol was out of the picture in my mind. Okay, out of the picture. I said, Lord, Lord, help me, Jesus. And here I am crawling, and I don't care. I didn't care if I fell, tumbled down the stairs. I was going to get to it, but I was like, Lord, it was the kind of pain where I was stuck in it. Have you ever been in a type of trouble that you just stuck in it? You can't get rid of it. You can't get away from it. You can't get out of it. You're just stuck. I don't know where Carol came from. I don't know where she was. But she brought that water. And as I drank it, everything subsided. Now, in this parable, though I thank God for my wife, she wouldn't be the God in this parable. In this parable, God would be the water. The water that's always close and always accessible. 
which means God says, you won't have to send somebody to get me. I'm here. Before the Charlie horse, I'm here. Just drink of me. Just drink me down. I'm here. I knew it was coming. And God brings this quality of character into fatherhood. Which means that teaches us that fathers, as fathers, to maintain a good fatherhood, there has to be presence. But it cannot just be presence. It has to be active presence. Inactive presence is brutality. It is brutality. It means you see me hurting. And you contribute anything, nothing in my trouble. If you look at the rest of that Psalms, I'm going to close now. If you look at the rest of that Psalms, and then the last point would be full providence. Because he provides, he provides his presence. He provides his protection. All of that is part of his provision. But if you look at the rest of that Psalms, it goes into some wild stuff. Earthquakes, mountains, trouble, landslides, disaster. All of those disasters represent instability. Things that were stationary coming loose. Mountains being moved out of places. Things that are okay as long as they're nailed and fastened down. The trouble that God is present in, in, in his father factor is, that the psalmist is referring to is the kind of trouble when things are falling apart and there is no stability around you. People fight for stability. You exercise for health stability. You, you, you budget for financial stability. You, uh, you, you, uh, you make sure you feed your relationship for relational stability. But the reality is there comes times in your life when everything nailed down starts coming loose and you lose control. You lose a sense of understanding. Your surroundings, mountains are being moved out of their place. The rocks are shaking. The earth is quaking. And all you can do is stand there, God, God says, when you get to that point, I'm a very present help in the time of your instability. So if you are feeling unstable right now, I need you to know that God brings stability into his relationship with you as his child. And he's present. Presence is a ministry of its own. Did y'all hear me? Presence is a ministry all by itself. Do you remember Job? When he was at the worst part of his life? Before his friends started acting a fool. The text said they just came there and they sat with him. See, you don't need to know the words to say. Just presence is a ministry. You don't have to be on the stage with your child, just be present in the audience. You don't have to be at right in the, guess what? You don't even have to be in the fight that your child is about to get into on the schoolyard. Just show up. Presence is a powerful ministry. It gives the beneficiary a chance to identify for himself and for other people that my help is here. He may not have to do anything, but if this thing goes awry, if this thing goes crazy, if this thing goes left, my help is here. The fatherhood of God is the ministry of his presence. And hell is the misery of his absence. So there was a time when God and everything he brings into fatherhood, if we let the wise people of the world today judge it, 
there's a time when God would have been considered to be a bad father. Because his protective, his protection and sacrificial protection that he brings to every relationship, he dropped it. His, 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 his active presence, he dropped it. His complete provision, he dropped it. One Friday evening. If there was ever a time God can be accused of being a bad father, it was one Friday evening when his only begotten son had the sins of you and I on his back as he hung on the cross. God brings his protection, brings his presence, brings his provision into the fatherhood relationship, but for that moment, that Friday, he withdrew all of that. No longer protective. His presence inactive and his providence withheld so much so that when Jesus could not appeal to him as daddy he appealed to him as my God he said okay I don't feel the daddy thing right now I, I don't feel your active presence. I'm hanging here on a cross. I'm your son. I'm hanging here suspended between heaven and earth. I don't feel your presence. And I don't see your provision. So, okay. Since I'm dying like I'm not a son, not daddy, but my God. My God. Why have you forsaken me? So if there was ever a time God can be indicted with not being a good daddy, if it was when he was doing everything he could to give us an opportunity to be his kids. And this he brings into his relationship with us as father. Thus we are all the sons of God by Christ Jesus. That word sons doesn't mean male factor, it means children. First John 3. Now are we the children of God. And it does not yet appear how we shall be. But when he appears, we shall see him as he is. And we will be like him. Thank God for fathers who have an active presence. I'm not just there, but I'm there when it counts. Thank God for fathers who have a sacrificial protection. And thank God for fathers who are providers because God brought that to us. We can bring that to our children. Stand to your feet. Now let me say this. In Luke chapter 3, in the genealogy of Jesus, the text calls Adam a son of God. Adam is the created son of God. In the Exodus chapter 4, beginning with verse 22 and 23, Israel is the firstborn selected son of God. But in John 3, 16, Jesus is the begotten son of God.
If you are not in Christ, you are in Adam. All the blessings are not in the created Son of God. All of the blessings are in the begotten Son of God. Not in Adam, but in Jesus. If you're not saved today, you're only in Adam. You're only a son of God through creation. Well, that was messed up. Adam messed it up. Humanity is messed up. But if you want to be born again, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are not in Adam, Romans 8 and 1, but to them that are in Christ. And God is waiting for you. He says, I don't want you to just be my possession. I want you to be my child. The trees are my possession. The grass, my possession. And then Jesus says, watch what he says. That the grass neither toils or works. Yet God feeds the grass. And the grass is beautiful. If God will take care to that extent of what he possesses, imagine how much more he will take care of you if you're not a possession but you're his child. And coming to Christ, the begotten, is the way to come to God. And that's the way to become a child of God. You're not a child of God because Big Mama quoted scripture and made you quote scripture before you ate. You're not a child of God because you come to church every now and then. Those who were children of God had to be born out of Adam's, out of the womb of Adam. They had to come from being the son or the daughter of Adam and become the son and the daughter of God through Christ Jesus and you've got to be born again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you didn't know this. But you just can't come to church. That's not how it works. Jesus says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. The Bible says all spiritual blessings are in Christ. You get in Christ and Christ gets in you when you choose and you make the decision that you want to leave your atomness, that you want God to be your father, not just your creator. He's your creator now. He loves you now. But he's the kind of creator that's leading you to Christ. That's why you hear what you hear right now. And it's not enough to be a good person. God says, I don't want you to just be filled with good. I want you to be filled with God. I'm not coming back for good people. No, he's not coming back for good people. He's coming back for people that have God in him, in them. And if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are come new. The baptizer is ready. Who's baptizing today? Who's baptizing today? Brother Darwin Brown is baptizing today. If you're here and you want to be baptized and you want to become a child of God, you walk down these aisles and give your life to Jesus right now. You walk down these aisles and you give your life to Jesus. Oh, I'm afraid of crowds. I'm afraid of crowds. Don't worry about it. You come to make your confession. You just come down. Well, I don't know about the people. Okay, fine. That's not a prerequisite. There's nowhere in the scripture that says you have to be baptized in front of 500 people, 200 or whatever, 300, whatever's in here. But we want to know that that's your desire so that we can sit and talk with you. Amen. Some of you have been coming to church so long and don't even belong to God. How do you get away with it? How do you do that? How do you come to church all the time but never became a child of God? That's like being company in the house of God. Are you understanding this? I don't care who comes over my house. I don't care. We've got, we got three daughters. I don't care how many of their friends come over to the house. If I have not adopted them or they did not come from my loins, they are friends, they, they are oh, little sisters, play sisters, that's my play daughter, but you got to be begotten. Amen. The difference between Jayla Jordan and Janice is they come from me. And the difference between people who come to church every Sunday and people who are children of God is people who come to church come to where God 
is worship. But people who are born again come from God. And he's coming back for those who come from him, who are begotten of him. So how dare you? No, don't just don't think that's not enough. You need to come. And if you're here and you've disappointed your father, you've disappointed him. And you've been acting like your father's enemy. How dare you partner with the one that hates your dad? How dare you come to his house and speak the language of your daddy's enemy? You know how, that, how much of a mess that would be if my daughters partnered with somebody that didn't like me and started talking about me with them? Some of, you, some of us have been fraternizing with the daddy's enemy, with daddy's, what are you doing? You know he don't like daddy. And here you are at the club with him. Yeah, y'all know all of that, right? You know it. But there's you up there getting high, getting drunk. Talking about. And God is saying, why, why are you over my enemy's house? Why are you coming to my house talking like the enemy? God is saying, come back home, son. Come back here, daughter. It's rough out there. It's cold out there. I'll be your shelter. So if you need to come, it's altar time. This is the altar call. Somebody in here needs to come to Jesus. You've been putting it off and putting it off and thinking coming to church is different. No, God wants your soul, not just your body in the pew. He wants your soul. He wants your heart. So that when he comes again, he can come for people who look like him and who are tied to him by blood, that being the blood of Jesus. Come right now.